Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Purple Daily on draft. Man, sometimes the Vikings force your hand a little bit. You start 0-3. I think we all had them mostly at 2-1 and going into a, the, the week three of the season, or at least after three games of the season. And here they are. The Vikings are 0-3. We had some hot takes on the regular edition of Purple Daily. This is Purple Daily on Draft, where we just look at the Vikings uh, or the draft spectrum for for the Vikings on a year-round basis. So when you're 0-3, you can certainly uh, start getting a little more creative here as they drag you into the draft season. Uh, So I want to just ask you guys this straight up, and we'll get into some other things too. Forno wrote a great piece, five players the Vikings could even trade after their 0-3 start by the trade deadline, which is about five weeks away. Uh, we'll get into some running back conversation because I want to ask you guys about draft strategy at that position. Plus, of course, our college football takeaways from another exciting weekend on that front. So I'll ask you straight up right now. Uh, Miles, do you think the Vikings should tank this season? Now you're 0-3, should you just go in the gutter? I know it's hard for them to tank because they still have pretty good players, at least personnel-wise, and I like Kevin O'Connell. But with an 0-3 start, has the thought of tanking crossed your mind? Has it crossed my mind or the or Quasi's mind? <laughs> the Vikings. I think um, I don't think it's crossed the Vikings' mind at all. If it's crossed mine, uh, I don't want to see this team be bad, but I also understand that this team, if starting zero three, is a it's a pretty steep hill to climb out of. It's a you know it's a it's a pretty big um, thing to to really get to overcome. Especially you look at the numbers; it's like one of it, one of every like fifty teams uh, make the playoffs starting zero three. It's just like it's just like a really insurmountable. Um, position to be in the fortunate thing is though this team is talented there's a lot of talent especially on the offensive side of the ball Justin Jefferson Kirk Cousins like you have players to make it really hard to tank uh, um, and I also just don't think I don't think they're bad enough to tank um, unless they were to trade a, a Kirk Cousins or, or a major injury were to happen to, to somebody that knock on wood you know you don't want ever that to happen but um, yeah I've thought about it but I just don't see it being a plausible scenario right now now, as we get closer to the trade deadline in, in late October, um, that's a different scenario. I think I think that could be one of those things where if they're what like two and six, something in that in that range, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely gonna be um, calling calling for that because I think at that point you got to be thinking about the long term. Right now, it's still way too early to not to not be thinking about the 2023 season, and so I just think they need to go out there and get a, a W against the Panthers and kind of kind of create some momentum for themselves because it's clear that. There's this like internal t- turmoil, um, the team that they just don't feel like they can overcome. So I think they just need a, a win under their belts to kind of get themselves rolling. And we'll see from there. Hornell, how about you, man? Do you think this team is capable of taking? Uh, do you think that they're tanking 
the idea of them possibly tanking is on the table, or are they still too good of a football team personnel-wise to, to be tanking at this point? Quasi straight up said he's not going to tank. So I, I honestly think that vernacular should just come out. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that trade piece in a minute, but there's a difference between tanking and understanding where you're at. It's like a baseball team at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. You have the Angels had Shohei Otani. They chose to keep him on the final year of his deal because they thought they could make the playoffs. A lot of teams who are fringe contenders or not even contenders will sell that piece to get some assets back that they normally wouldn't get if they were to just lose them in free agency. I think that would be the approach and that would align directly with the competitive rebuild where you're not trying to lose football games, but you're understanding that I'm not going to have this guy next year. Let's get some capital back in return while we lose them. And then you can kind of and give some younger guys opportunities and see what you have there. I don't think this team will directly tank. I think Kirk Cousins starts every game at least until the Vikings are eliminated from the playoffs. Then maybe you see a Jaron Hall get a start because there's literally nothing to play for at that point. And you might as well see what you have in the young guy. Or if you just don't think you have any, then maybe you don't give him that opportunity. I, I just, I think the Vikings tanking is not going to happen. We can wish it to happen. We can want them to do X, Y, or Z. They're still going to try and win football games because it's good for business. Now, is it necessarily good for the football side of things all the time? No, because you want an opportunity to get one of those top quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, the Vikings are a business and they're going to try and run that business as efficiently as possible from all angles. And that is to try and win football games. Winning football games means happier fans, means more concession dollars, means more merch sales, and better TV ratings. That all matters. And I just don't think that the Vikings are going to tank, nor should they, because I think even at 0-3, and the odds completely stacked against them as far as making the playoffs, this is still a pretty good, pretty good football team. And the point differential through three games is only minus 13. Yeah, the one-score games, the regression. Yes, the regression is real, but it's not always as simple as, hey, they were really good at it last year. They're going to completely regress this year. There's context to it, but you look at everything, they're not going to tank. They're just not. Let me paint this picture um, that the Vikings probably are looking at like a 1-5, 1-6 record or so by the trade deadline. I mean, they could probably beat the Panthers on Sunday, even though that's a road game, but... I mean, there's a, they're probably going to take an L against the Chiefs. Uh, things could get really dicey there as they get close to the trade deadline. Um, and we all know the Wilfs want to be competitive. They want to win. They want to have yeah good concessions. They want a good product on the field basically week in and week out. And that's why they've always been a little reluctant to the idea of tanking. But I guess, Miles, if you saw a situation where you only have like one win on the schedule, Kwesi is all about you know building up assets and having as much asset management as possible. Do you think the Wilfs could be talked into that? Because I think also it comes from upstairs, too. It's not just Kwesi going rogue and deciding, hey, I'm trading Daniel Hunter tomorrow. I know he's going to probably need a more conversation with his ownership group in the Wilfs. Do you think the Wilfs could be convinced of going down this path, or is that just probably impossible? I think they could be convinced of, like, at the deadline, trading away some of the, the assets they do have. I think if it's, if they start if the start is that that poor by the deadline and they're you know that at that point where they're like two and six or whatever the record could be that that they're completely out of it. I think it it would it would just be, make too much business sense not to. Um, and the Wilfs, as much as they want to be competitive, they know that the foundation of this team 
wouldn't crazy wouldn't be looking to be trading obvious your obvious players your Je- Jefferson Hawkinson Darisaw O'Neal like those guys are staying in place Byron Murphy um like those guys are all a part of your foundation for the long term so you know that those guys are sticking but the guys that are on one year one year deals or um or on uh, expiring contracts that you don't expect to bring back that it makes sense to to look to move those guys and so I know we can get into the names in a little bit here but it just doesn't make sense to uh um to not to not explore that opportunity if if it comes so Forno, you wrote a piece five players that the Vikings uh could trade after their 0 3 start We'll start this first one, Harrison Smith. Um, now, you also have here, too, your dead cap and potential cap savings here, too. Uh, Harrison Smith, 32 years old, maybe a borderline case for, for Canton, but still has never won a Super Bowl. He's played an NFC title game before. You could probably find a team that would totally take a chance on Harrison Smith for better in leadership and just being a really good player. Uh, what would you want back in a situation for, now if you were to trade Harrison Smith? What would be a realistic return for the Vikings? Probably a three. And I think that might be a little, I don't want to say greedy, but it, the trade market is really weird in the National Football League, especially with older players and rentals. And when you combine the two, it gets a little murky. You have the situation where the Patriots uh, gave the Falcons a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, and Sanu literally did nothing for them. And Christian McCaffrey obviously a different kind of player. He's one of the best, if not the best running back in the national football league, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Like the trade market is just wild and weird. And there it's really hard to truly gauge. I think a really good comparison for him is like a 31 year old golden Tate got traded for a third round pick. I believe it was to the Eagles uh, a few years back. That's probably his peak. I'd say even if you could get a fourth, but this is also considering that, he took a pay cut this year. He Nothing has changed for the final two years on his deal. And if they move on from him, it's like a $7.4 million cap charge next season. But you save around $12 million. I think if you already had the plans to move on from him and you realize the season is toast, you have the deepest, sorry, the deepest safety room in football. That's one that makes sense to me. And it really hurts because Smith has been a cornerstone of this franchise for the better part of a decade. He's been a fantastic Minnesota Viking. But if he's not coming back next year, and you know he's not coming back next year, getting a capital for him when the highest comp pick you could get is a fifth because he's at least a 10-year veteran. That's the same thing with Kirk Cousins. Both of them would only fetch a fifth-round pick if they were to sign elsewhere. Then I think it's a move you really have to consider, but it also depends on who's going to give you an actual solid offer for Harrison Smith, who needs a safety like that? Like it's, it takes two to tango with these things, but it, there is merit to moving on from him. If somebody were to make you a good enough offer, I would both think, what do you both think if, uh, cause, cause because Harrison Smith's been the longest tenured Viking, he's, you know, obviously ring of honor, potential hall of fame type player. Do you think the Vikings out of like respect to Smith would, would basically like treat it like a no trade clause where they'd like ask his permission. Not that they wouldn't, still look to trade him, but kind of go to him and see if he was okay with that just out of like respect. I know some teams with mm-hmm. that relationship, you want to, you want to keep that relationship long-term. It's not just about like getting a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a day three pick for him. It's about like keeping that relationship strong too, not just pissing him off and, and shipping him off to whatever team's willing to pay for him. But just curious what you guys, your guys' thoughts there are. Yeah. I, I think they would totally have that conversation with them. And I think Harrison's been around enough and is just, 
aware that the situation that they're in right now, that if they continue right. down this losing path, like, do you even want to be here? Like, do you want to, yeah. I know he's a recent dad and stuff too. And of course, no one likes to uproot your old family life and deal with all that external you know, noise. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if they said, hey, if we get something for you and also a preferred team list too, right? Like mm-hmm. that also helps with the, with the trade market of, all right, if we know you would go here, here, and here, well, now you've narrowed down, you know, of 32 teams, you've narrowed down three to five teams that could honestly have a, be a suitor for him and it makes him happy and the organization mm-hmm. can get happy too. So, boy, I'm not sure what you think, but I, I totally think you had that conversation with him. Yeah, and, and maybe they take less to send him somewhere that he's more willing to go. True. Like that could be one of those scenarios too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a, a big part of it too, taking less to make a player happy. And it's been a massive criticism of... Los Angeles Rams GM less need. He got a third round pick and Hunter Long for Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> like, well, let's just be honest here. That compensation for what Ramsey is and will be to finish out the contract is pitiful. It's putrid. Like, you can't justify it other than I made the player happy. And Cam Akers, to my knowledge, he was kind of in the same boat. They talked to his agent and made it so he went to a good destination in doing so you sacrifice draft capital back. There are positives and negatives to both ends. If you make a player happy, but you don't get enough back well, you're not maximizing your assets. But at the same time, these assets are human beings and having those positive relationships with the players is a really important thing, especially when, Oh, Harrison Smith, let's say he goes to Philadelphia and he talks to all the Eagles about how poorly he was treated. Well, if you have one of those Eagles, let's say in a couple of years, Devonta Smith, it's the free agent market. Smith might remember that and just decide not to come here because of how Harrison was treated on the way out. Like that's a massive hypothetical, but that's how things are done in the league. You talk to people who have experiences with organizations. Now they did rank first on the NFLPA inaugural report card, far and away the best of any team in the league. All of their grades were at least an A minus across the board of how they're treated, the facilities, the medical care, the amenities within the building. How they were even talking about how like their families are treated so well within those four walls. All those matter. And trying to play that delicate balancing act will be interesting with Quasi Mensa because of how he's currently handled some of these trades. You can criticize him for it. You can praise him for it. Heck, you can do a little bit of both, but it'll be really intriguing to see how he handles trading away players other than just dumping them like they did with Jesse Davis, because we don't really have a precedent for that with him yet, how he's going to handle actual player trades and not just, hey, I'm saving a little bit of guaranteed money and getting a seventh round pick in three years. Yeah, and I think NFL trade deadline in general, like last year was probably the most active it's ever been. It's like the only thing that the NFL, I guess you could say, lacks compared to the other three men's uh, professional sports in in the United States is their trade deadline's always been a little bit vanilla. It's a little been a little boring, but the last few years it's picked up especially. And I think you also have to make the case if you're the first ones to start selling, like let's say let's say things go really nuclear and they just lose bad to the Panthers on Sunday. Like, do you start making those trades and you start setting the market a little bit too? I can see that happening obviously as well. Uh, Ezra Cleveland was another name you had on here Forno. Uh with the Vikings signing Dalton Reisner, our buddy Darren Doogie Wolfson has reported on the scoop side of things on score North that yeah, they've explored trading him before Ezra still has kind of ambitions of 
playing tackle. He played right guard to start his career, but now he's been playing left guard for the last few years. I guess you could make a case um, here, Miles, if you wanted to give Dalton Reisner the true playing time, and everyone could always use some interior line help too, I guess, would you consider partying with Ezra Cleveland and then just sliding in Dalton Reisner? I think that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like the Vikings might have had some opportunity exploring those opportunities with Ezra before the season started. Not that they were open to or wanting to, but I think they know in the cards that maybe Ezra is not a long-term plan for them at guard. And and if you can fetch a day three pick back for him, you know, you should explore it. Um, they have, like, as much as Ed Ingram is, like, the talk of the town in terms of, like, they need to replace him ASAP, and I'm not even completely disagreeing. He's a He's a young player who's still only in year two of his rookie deal, whereas Ezra's in year four. Um, and if you have Reisner, who you like maybe long-term beyond this season, you want to kind of give a an opportunity to see if he fits in well on the line, on your team, all those things. Um, give him that left guard job and, and and send Ezra Cleveland to whatever team's willing to, to give you something for him. I think it makes sense. I mean, and maybe Ezra gets an opportunity to go play tackle after this season. And maybe this is like a jump charting opportunity for that. Um, who knows? But um, yeah, I just don't think it'd be something. He's not a guy that you you're not really you're you're tied you're not tied to Ezra Cleveland, um, short or long term. So I think it's one of those situations that um, they should be open to exploring. Yeah, and I think with Dalton Reisner coming here too, he was active. He was in uniform, didn't take a snap, I believe, yesterday against um, against the Chargers in the loss. But yeah, if you're gonna let Ezra Cleveland walk away, which I mean, I like Ezra Cleveland, I wouldn't be against him being re-signed either. But you can find another Ezra Cleveland on day two, day three of the draft. You can find it maybe even free agency if you want to overpay for it too. Um, I would definitely consider moving him to, especially now you have Reisner in the building. I mean, what's what's the point? I think. Well, and Reisner's only twenty six, so it's not like Reisner's like an older player. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that in the same age as Ezra Cleveland that you could look to to mm-hmm. build to build with long term too. Borno, would you, so you're you're on board too, obviously, with trading. And what would you want back um, in a trade if you were to move on from Ezra Cleveland, just like a day three pick at that point? If I were to move on from him, I'd want at least a four because I, personally, I think whoever trades for him is going to be thinking more long term than they are short term. Now he can have, obviously be a stopgap, but you'd have to have a pretty dire offensive line situation to really see him be a massive upgrade for you. And that's not a slight to Cleveland; he's an average to above average guard. And that holds value. But how many teams that are about to make a playoff run believe that Ezra is going to upgrade their offensive line situation? It's not going to be many teams. So I think whoever's going to bring him in is going to look at him as a potential long-term option and maybe even play tackle or a situation arises where, hey, like the Cleveland Browns, they lost Jack Conklin week one for the entire season to a, I think it was a broken leg or a torn ACL a situation like that where a player goes down, maybe hypothetically Jordan Mylava for the Eagles goes down and he's out for the year and they need somebody to come in and play tackle for a long-term basis. That's where Ezra Cleveland could potentially get his opportunity. And I would take a four. I would even consider a five, but I think his max value, depending on a lot of different factors is a three. I think that's really far-fetched, but it's also not crazy because trade values in this league are very weird and college football is not giving us enough quality offensive linemen. So if you think you have one, maybe you're giving that three away so you can at least bring in one of those guys. But uh, an early to mid day three pick, I think is where his value would settle. As it currently stands, uh, the Vikings have, let's see here, seven picks 
in next year's draft. They do not have a third round pick. They have their first round. They have their second round. They have two fourths. They have two fifths. They have one sixth, no seventh. Um, So you could make a case that by the trade deadline, right, you'd maybe want to acquire like a couple more draft picks just to have in your arsenal, whether you're going to use them to indeed draft us in the slot or use them to potentially move up. Um, I guess, Miles, if you were if you were Quasi or maybe put yourself in Quasi's shoes, are you looking at the trade deadline for somewhere to add just at least a couple draft picks to give you a couple more, you know, ammunitions in the draft chamber? Yeah, let me let me uh, put my Quasi hat on real quick. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think that what we could also consider is like twenty twenty five draft picks as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think depending on where they obviously slot in in the draft in twenty twenty four. But they're going to need if they want if the idea is to really if okay let me let me let me slow down if they're not going to be a top five have a top five draft pick it'll be expensive to try to move up if that's what their plan is mm-hmm. so having as much draft capital um, in that scenario is important I, you can already tell like with some of the trades he's made Vidarian Low getting a six round pick like those types of trades and the the, the fives for uh, um, for uh, Zadari Smith like those things they have an impact because if you're going to trade your first and second round picks. You still need those other, you know, day two, day three picks to uh, to to draft players, and so I think um, I don't think Crazy is going to be as stingy about, you know, if it's not a if if it's not a three, we're not moving him. If it's not a four or a five, we're not moving him. I think he's willing to move because it helps with cap space and it helps just add more um, capital to their um, to the draft. And so I think I could see them playing the both like, hey, you give us a twenty twenty five four instead of a twenty twenty four fifth or something like that, just because. He might he might might see the value in that, knowing that he can he can always move the some of those picks as he as they look to move up in the draft as well. And it's worth noting that technically teams will value a twenty twenty five fourth the same as they do a twenty twenty four fifth because as you the further out you send a pick, you yep. subtract about a round's worth of value. That's kind of how teams view it. So okay. the yep. the trade where Deshaun Watson went to the Browns, they got three firsts. But if you look at it, the first from two years in the future is valued at that exact moment as a third round pick. Now, you still get to pick in the first round three times, and that's great. But it's just something to be aware of as teams make this value. That's why basically the Cam Akers trade was free. And there's a potential that they don't even swap those picks. Akers needs at least 500 total yards from scrimmage in order for any picks to be swapped. So it actually might have been free. The only thing we was, could not release the cap hit. What does that like? Can you still make a trade with no compensation? Like yeah. there's nothing. Just, yeah. You just taking on the contract. Is that essentially what the, like you can trade somebody without like getting anything. I, I, I'm like, we're going down a rabbit hole, but I was thinking about that too. When that, when that came out and I was just right. like, so they could just like have cam Akers, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, for free, if he doesn't like uh, hit those hit those numbers, so I was I it's, always thought that was essentially a priority waiver claim without him actually hitting yeah. waivers. Yep, yeah, yeah, for sure. Gotcha. It's just an interesting, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And Forno, you have a whole list, five players the Vikings could realistically trade uh, up at VikingsWire.com. None of these names are Kirk Cousins. None of these names are Daniil Hunter. Sorry to spoil your article a little bit there. Um, but that could be a conversation maybe later on uh, in a future episode of Purple Daily on Draft 2, especially if things continue to go a little wonky. You guys bring up running backs. Um, so finally, the Vikings established their running game against the Chargers, which I thought was a little strange considering you can't the Chargers, the Chargers can't stop the pass and the Vikings are leading the league in passing yards. But luckily, I'm not going down an X's and O's rabbit hole there. But with Alexander Madison, who, yes, looked as good as he's had all season yesterday, what's the strategy for drafting running backs? Forno, we we talked about this a little bit uh, with, with Thor when he was part of the show, um, and he had a whole list of, and, and kind of strategy of how he would go about this. But if Alexander Madison is not going to be the guy that you want to have going forward as a starting running back you know, in 2024, What's the kind of strategy you would look at to bring in running backs, or even, uh, probably more specifically, what's the strategy at when it comes to drafting a running back? So the biggest thing with drafting a running back is you want them, like it, it also. I've got like a million things running through my mind right now with this because there's a lot of different ways you can go about it, but one you want them to fit what you want them to do, because fit matters with running backs like it does with quarterbacks. If you have a big bruiser and you're asking him to run wide zone, that that doesn't fit. That doesn't make sense. Same if you have a one cut running back and you're asking him to run gap and power all the time, you're not really maximizing your resource. And that's where you want to be able to draft a player like B. John Robinson could literally do anything. So whoever takes him, it's about maximizing his ability to touch the football and getting him into space and letting him do do things on the field where like the bears took Roshan Johnson in the fourth round. I thought that was a great value pick because his underlying metrics were fantastic. He had the size and speed and he has the vision of a quarterback. Cause he was a high school quarterback, even went to Texas as a quarterback, but transitioned to running back and then Bijan took a starting job, but he was a top 15 back in the country. So I want to look at what are they doing? How is their vision vision to me matters more than any speed metric any agility metric because you can be the best athlete in the world if you can't see you don't mean anything because that's how you're going to be able to take advantage remember michael bennett vikings took him around one absolute sprinter couldn't move laterally he if there was a hole he would shoot right through it and he'd make a play but if he had to put his foot in the ground and cut to either side or stop and then go around the corner he couldn't do that kind of stuff he was a straight line sprinter and it made sense. He was a track guy. So I, I want a guy who can see it, who has enough capable athleticism. Now the better athleticism you have, the better off you're going to be in the NFL. But I want the elite vision. 
And another thing I'm looking for is workload. Jonathan Taylor came in the league three years at Wisconsin, had over 900 touches. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's basically three Derrick Henry seasons in the NFL. Like Derrick Henry's getting over 300 touches a year. Not a lot of running backs are, but Derrick Henry is also built like Godzilla. So it's a, he's judged on a different plane, but I want to see how you what your workload is, how you're utilizing your workload and how are you maximizing your touches? And those are the things I'm really looking for. But if you don't have the vision, I want absolutely nothing to do with you. Like it's the Alexander Madison against the Seahawks from 2020. He should have seen that hole. He should have bounced to the outside. He should have gained like three yards and the Vikings win that game. That matters more than any other metric. And honestly, you can find gems round four, round five, round six. They're not as often as hits as rounds two and three, just because you genuinely have better talent early on, but you can find really good players later on because of how the running back position has been devalued because of how teams will view some of those speed and agility metrics, where in my opinion, if you have the vision, that ability to see and react can overcome like 0.1 seconds of a 40 yard dash. It can overcome like uh, five hundredths of a second when it comes to like that 10 yard split, because seeing and reacting is more important than just being a great athlete. Miles, you said you were looking up uh, running backs that the Vikings could potentially even draft starting, you know, next year or so. And, and you were telling me off Mike, so you like straight aligned speed, right? Like that's kind of, that's kind of the stuff you like to see guys that are really quick. Madison's not really a burner. You know, Ty Chandler's got a little bit to that to him when, when in the limited snaps he's played, but uh, what guys are you already eyeing early on here from the running back position for the 2024 draft? Yeah. And let me preface it by saying like, I like the straight line speed because I think obviously like the home run hitters are always fun. But I, I think agility and quickness and that, that like first like first within the ten yard split of acceleration is probably the most important part of running back needs to have because most guys aren't like a forty yard dash as a running back you're not getting those many those, those opportunities that often so it's about those first you know within those first five to ten yards and and how you can how you can work there and get to the second level but um, some of the guys that and I, I like a guy that can that can catch the ball a little bit too I think that's just in today's game especially like. I'm a huge Adrian Peterson fan. Love Adrian Peterson. He just wouldn't fit today's NFL the same way because that the way he in, in the in the utilization of the of the receiving game. Um, obviously, as a runner, he's still AP like AD all day. But um, as a receiver, like I think it's just that much more important now than it has been in the past. So I like guys that can catch the ball as well. But um, like the obvious names, like I think the one thing with the Vikings is I want to make sure that they know like what. What scheme do they want to run? What run game do they? What run game scheme do they want to run? They just feel like there's like this, there's inside zone, there's gap, there's outside zone a little bit. Like they have this little bit of a mix, but they don't really seem to have like a true identity on the ground. And I think that's hurt them the first two years under this new regime. Mm-hmm. And so I think what they need to do is kind of identify what they want to be because I don't think their offensive line fits a do all type uh, run game. Like they four of the five uh, linemen on the on the Vikings were brought in as by the old regime as outside zone. Now I think O'Neal and um, and uh, Christian Darisaw can work in any scheme, but in terms of the run game, like those guys, especially the interior, were brought in as uh, outside zone. Um, I know uh, Ingram's the only guy that wasn't, but I kind of think he fits a little bit more of a zone. Um, but he's got a little bit more of that like heavy-handed powerness to him than than Cleveland and and Bradbury do. But at the same time, 
Um, I just think they need to figure that out. Like where do they want to go? What do they want those guys to be? Because if they want to be in more of a true true gap inside zone, they probably need to get a little beefier in the in the middle rather than the skinny or not the skinny. No, no lineman skinny, but like the uh, um, they need to get a little bit heavier, get get guys yeah. a little bit bigger that can that can stand up and and drive people. And because right now the interior offensive line, those guys aren't really like drivers. They're not really like power players. They're they're finesse, move to space, double team, like those types of guys. So I think they really need to kind of figure out what their identity is there and, and go to it. Um, but at the same time, like, I think if you're looking at what they like to do now, one cut runners, like obviously the Braylon Allen, um, he, but he's more of like your traditional, like what, what Forno was saying, like the traditional like workhorse back where he gets a lot of touches, but he might not be as good if you're not giving him the, the 20, 20 plus touches a game. So for that, one fourth miles, yeah. I would be a hundred percent out in Braylon Allen. In I Minnesota. know, I know you're not a, I know you're not a fan, and I'm not, I'm not even you calling him like. Move. No, no, I'm not. No, no, for sure, I'm not. I'm not saying he's the guy they should identify. I'm just like, I'm just listing off names, listing off names. But like, he's more of that like traditional like workhorse type back where you kind of got to give him the ball more more often uh, for him to probably be a little bit more like um, successful. A little bit of like Dalvin Cook in that way. Obviously, Dalvin Cook was way more explosive, um, but. Um, then there are guys like Travian Henderson, Blake Corum, Raheem Sanders, like those guys. Um, I like Donovan Edwards from Michigan. I know he's kind of like the one B in that in that backfield. Um, but uh, I think I he kind of gets draft me. eligible. Is he not draft eligible? I have him I on think my he's list. a true sophomore. Hold on, let me go look that up because he's on my list. So maybe I screwed that up. So that's my bad. He's literally on my list. So let me go back. I I like literally have my like full list of running backs, and he was like, I I start him right, but of course, if he's not, let me. I'll, I'll get back to him, but like I like I like Donovan Edwards. Um, I think he's a guy that could that could easily replace Blake Corum and like as that like one B. Um, but like, more. damn it! So that's my bad. I thought Soccer, I thought dude. he had um, more years under his belt. Um, but uh, no, I like I like that like dual threat. Like uh, I know he he hasn't been as successful, but like an Antonio Gibson was like an ideal type of running back for me. Like he's that like dual. Um, not everybody can get a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, like that guy went in the top 10 for a reason, B. John Robinson, but like a uh, Tonio Gibson, who was, had kind of played wide receiver um, in college, shifted to running back, but he's got the speed. I think the vision obviously is a little bit of a struggle there. So with Forno, I'm with you. Like vision, vision's huge for running backs, but I love the dual threat. Like give me the guy that can give you a little bit of both um, and that, you know, you could play on all three downs because he can catch the football um, because I like the utilization of the running backs in the passing game, which, I don't think the Vikings have done as well the last few years, but I'd like to see them get a little bit better in that area. So I need to make a correction, and I'm going to blame me being sick. He's a he's a redshirt sophomore. I'm just okay. So he is I'm eligible. He might not come off. out. No, no, yeah, yeah, he might not come out. But I think that's why I had him start. He might not come out, but he's because he's still young. But I like his game. I think he's kind of got a little bit of that like um, that true versatility that I look for. Very I'm nice. Sick too, Forno, so yeah, you guys are battling. <laughs> Two guys to watch for that'll be more sleepers, and then we can move on, Declan, because I know you got a couple more things. Rasheen Ali from mm-hmm. Marshall. That's a workhorse guy. He, he's a stud in college Good fantasy one. football, but he's he's got juice. He's got the ability to break tackles. He's like 215 pounds. It's, I believe, six foot. And then Michael Wiley from Arizona. Doesn't get a lot of press. But I, I'm a sicko, and I've been watching a lot of Arizona football since Jed Fish took over because I just think he's he's a guy that can change a program, and he really has. And Wiley caught a lot of footballs. He runs the ball well. Doesn't get a ton of usage because they got a couple really young backs like Joe and Coleman that they like a lot, and they do a lot of rotation. But he's not going to have a ton of tread on the tires, and he's going to be an older 
schooled back when he comes out having been able to done a lot of things at the college level that I think you could get on day three and be able to do something with. So what did we learn from college football this weekend, boys? Uh, I know Colorado got waxed pretty good by Oregon. I made a horrible mistake to a good friend of mine. He said, hey, Colorado's, you know, they're 21-point you know, underdogs. Like, oh, they can cover 21. No, that I was, thought they were going to cover 21. Yeah, I, I wrote about I, it. I, I figured, like, oh, like they could lose that game by two-plus touchdowns, and that would still cover. Like, that will be fine. Um, but uh, that didn't work out. Uh, what did what did we learn from watching, uh, or what did we see anything from the college football side uh, that wanted to bring up to the show today? Well, the oh. boat's sinking. That's wrong. That boat yeah. is sinking. Uh, PJ, PJ Fleck needs to go. Um, uh, and uh, it's not an overreaction. It is PJ Fleck is a program builder. He is not the type of guy to take you over the top. He is the guy to get you to the summit, and then you get the next guy to take you over. I think PJ Fleck has done a phenomenal job here. He's gotten us to that tipping point. And now it's time to have somebody else take it over the top. I just think it's time. He's a terrible game manager. Uh, he's a phenomenal builder, phenomenal recruiter, and he's great until you get to game day. Um, that that was a big takeaway. Um, also, Ohio State and Notre Dame had one of the best football games I ever watched. That was good. Yeah, that was it really was good. 17 to 14, but they made a point. Like They had worn the green jersey six times, and the last time it was a ranked matchup was against USC, the Bush push in oh, 2005. Yeah. That was one of the best football games I'd ever watched. That was, it was a clinic, great defense against great offense. And they went to war that like, that was fun. And Ryan day getting so fired up defending his, his program and his players was really cool. But one of the big things I don't. I still don't know what he is as a pro prospect, but Michael Penix Jr. is the funnest quarterback to watch in college dude, football. I'm I'm a fan, dude. Like besides him being a lefty, I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan, like, but he doesn't. I I worry he can't really drive the ball to the outside. Uh, I think that's got, a mechanical issue. I don't. I think he's got the arm. Like you could see it. I yeah. just wonder if like if he if he marries up those mechanics because he doesn't always use the lower lower body. I think if he can marry that up a little bit, it doesn't mean it'll work. But mm-hmm. I, I do I do think there's opportunity there. But he's older. He's one of the, he's on the older side yeah. too. And the one thing I question about that is what if he can't? What yeah, if it, no, it, it's there are too question. many multiple ACL tears, and he just can't marry the lower body, and that's why he uses so much arm. So yeah. like, I, I genuinely don't know. But my God, he's fun, and so his fun. receiver Roma Dunze should be a top ten pick. That yeah. guy can do everything. Had a punt return. Had multiple. Uh, 35 plus yard touchdown receptions against Cal. Like Washington's a f- great watch every week. And next week, it's Washington and Arizona. Must see television. Him and Tetroya McMillan from Arizona. Oh, it's going to be a great receiver game. I hey, maybe they don't need a quarterback. Maybe the Vikings should just get another receiver because <laughs> it's going to be another loaded class, especially at the top. Yeah, they're going to need to take one. Um, I don't know where they're oh, going yeah, to. I agree. But they yeah. have to at least take one for depth. Yeah, it was a. It'll be an interesting side because with Jordan or Jordan Addison, I was stepping in. You're going to lose KJ Osborne. Um, they definitely still have a a hole there, and even with TJ Hawkinson uh, being another fiddle in that offense, um, you're going to definitely still need uh, another wide receiver. Uh, anything else, boys? College football wise, that stood out to you from over the weekend? Man, if if Clemson could actually hit the transfer portal, like Jordan <laughs> right. Travis yeah. was hurt, and you could tell he was hurt. He struggled. But Keon Coleman uh, bailed him out a couple times. They ran this play, which was 
Really cool. So it was the most unique double move I've ever seen. And I wonder if uh, we'll start seeing it in the NFL, especially with teams like the Chiefs or maybe even the Vikings. They had trips to the top and Coleman was the middle guy. He ran like a fake tunnel screen and then basically took that, planted his foot in the ground and then ran a seam route. So he got the corner to crash and then had like eight yards of separation in the red zone for an easy touchdown. That was awesome. Like I, some of that nuance and that creativity in the playbook one, I didn't know Mike Norville had it in him kudos, but just the little things Coleman is showing like everybody knew he was explosive. He was one of the only reasons Michigan state was competitive last year on offense, but the little things that he's showing at Florida state are really, really impressive and could end up uh, making him a top 15, top 20 pick. Um, Other than that, like it was just a great day for college football (laughs) yesterday. That song Alabama finally finally coming back a little bit too. Yeah, I that's weird. Huh? That. They don't look good. Like Dallas no, Sherman they don't look good. Not. But but they need they needed that win. Like, oh, yeah. I just as a team, I th- I just think they needed that win. They really did. Um, it's look. There is nothing. I love Vikings football. I will watch every single game and en- mostly enjoy it. But there's nothing like college football. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's a special kind of both entertaining and deranged that you just can't get from anywhere else. Well, if the Vikings indeed uh, go down the tubes here, we'll be watching and analyzing a lot more. College football takeaways won't be at the end of our show. It'll be probably at more of the beginning of our shows uh, going forward if uh, if the Vikings uh, indeed start off uh, 0-4, 0-5, etc. Uh, that does it for us here in Purple Daily on Draft, though. Appreciate everyone listening. Hit the subscribe button for daily Vikings entertainment. Drop us a comment. Uh, if you want us to talk about anyone on the college football side that you want to get more insight on or if the would be a fit for the Vikings or not, uh, hit the subscribe button daily, Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily on Draft. We will see you guys next Monday.